Okay, now, before we say a single word, it's time for the theme. Time theme. <laughs> It's Higher Fidelity, uh, the podcast that takes its name from the Nick Hornby novel about the pedantic elitism of his three main characters and their pointless musical debate. Uh, in the book, they go on to find love, whereas the three of us only go on to find out more reasons to dislike each other. I'm Peter Ulysses Hammercock O'Hanlon. I'm joined by Ross Espridge <laughs> Carolath Farley and uh, Evan uh, Laptop Charger Walsh. <laughs> um, how are you getting on? I'm getting on. Excellent. This is Yes, this is Evan Laptop Charger Walsh. Talking. I'm Dandy. Thank you, Peter. Brilliant. Uh, Evan, thank you very much for coming to your house. Yeah. Uh, Ross, you're very welcome to Evan's house. Thank you. Uh, and so this has been a big week for us. Um, when this podcast goes out, this will be the week where we've just announced this podcast, Higher Fidelity, uh, available every month. And the magazine, the fanzine, Crow Magnon, the parody fanzine with delicious articles about fake bands, and some real bands, but parody articles in, in and of themselves, this week as well. And the announcement of our new band, Zen Arcade. Should we talk a bit about that? Uh, we could fire away. So Zen that. Arcade, uh, taken from... Uh, the Who's Could Do uh, album, concert album uh, from the mid-80s, uh, it just is, is entitled Zen Arcade. Indeed. Uh, we admire that album, we admire that name. We've we admire Bob Mould in general we admire well. Bob Mould, uh, so, No uh, one has ever so greatly gone bald as well as that man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also bears a striking resemblance in the early days to our promoter Aidan Shorthall. Uh, and so yeah, basically, the, myself, Ross and Evan, we've been friends for years. Always had an interest in music, we were always jamming and just thought like eventually we're just going to start a band together. Like that was just kind of like, oh actually you know so yeah and before that we were in a band together for nine years. Oh yeah, well. that had yeah, already that happened well. at that point. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hopefully now uh, everyone listening will respect the consistency of the, of, of the podcast Higher Fidelity and uh, Chrome Magnum which will be monthly fixtures in our lives. As far as the consistency of Zen Arcade that's totally up to promoters and record labels however much they want us to be busy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, should we jump into our first section? I'm, I'm ready and willing. Who wants to do the link? <laughs> That's very funny. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is second best. Okay, yes, second best. This is the section of the show uh, where, you know, obviously we all know uh, famous first lines, it's well-trodden, well-documented, often-discussed ground, great opening lines and songs. Uh, I think the first line of a song is only as good as the follow-up, so we're here to discuss what we think are very good second lines and songs, which is just as important. We all obviously know, we're, I'm glad we all agree, on the undisputed daddy of second songs, which is the Hollies, long Could woman in a black dress. One, two, three, working for the FBI. Uh, Does, you, doesn't are, get better than unanimous that. on that. Yeah. We're absolutely unanimous on that. That's the second line of all time. As it says in the song, we're never going to beat that, but we can attempt to try and yes. topple it. But we're not, we're not going to topple it, but we can... We'll never topple it. No, again, and it's, it's the side... It's, it's the, 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 the line comes out in a perfect storm of, in the video that the Hollies do. We've got an Alan Clark, bare-chested with a sort of shiny, zippy-uppy top that's totally open, receding hairline, massive hairy chest. He's just missing a medallion, which I hear is in later press photos. Yeah, it is. Uh, he missed a trick there. But it, it, everything about it suggests there's a medallion, and I keep thinking there is and there isn't. Yeah. Uh, but again, just uh, a fabulous man who I get uh, every Holly's man except for Graham Nash is a fabulous, fabulous person. They are the incredible. Man, <laughs> they're incredible people. They're amazing. Haydock, Elliot, Hicks, Clark, can't beat them. Calvert, Sylvester, Cal 
Debatable. <laughs> I, I would put them more in the Nash camp of I don't like them. Okay. Really. Uh, Calvert had his um, had his battles with physical appearance. He did. Uh, Terry Sylvester just go watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction and you'll know why. Mm. Uh, watch that. Watch that man get denied. What? <laughs> and Hayrock as well. The poor man. Uh, absolutely a tragic loss. But I think Eric Hayrock is brilliant. Well, a massive influence on me. And obviously we've discussed at length that Bobby Elliott. Oh, Bobby Elliott is an absolute titan of a drummer he mm. looms large in he should loom behind large, you right now he looms behind me constantly um no he has a, had a huge influence over the general course of my life uh, would you say you can't let go of him i can't let go of him look through any window and he's he's there terrifyingly um, we need to stop doing that <laughs> uh, okay so uh, second best my second best line or my best second line uh, for this episode is the line from uh, the Pulp song, Miss Shapes, which opens different class. Miss Shapes, Mistakes, Misfits. The second line is raised on a diet of broken biscuits, which is a line that I feel like Ray Davies kicks himself daily for having not come up with. Yeah. Uh, I feel like every house can sort of relate to the idea of like, you know, when you're finished packing, you just like chuck the sort of like bottom ones back into the tub where you keep mm-hmm. all the biscuits. Uh, and it's just, again, a perfect depends picture of like a house in it. Because the, the song is about uh, like, you know, we don't look the same as you, but we live around here too. It's sort of like you know, outcast children and all that, trying to like, again, I, I picked, I think it's like 13, 14 year olds mm-hmm. trying to like claim back. I think it's like rather than like a nation seizing the means of production, it's like uh, a group of kids trying to like seize back the green. Yeah. In, in yeah, yeah, state. yeah. And it's just, again, I feel like raising a diet of broken biscuits perfectly encapsulates that. Mm-hmm. That it's a very sort of like, again, Jarvis Cocker has this amazing ability to define class in his songs. Mm-hmm. And not just like a class song, but also class in his songs. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, society and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but by. by chip on the Wall being another example. Of that. chip on the Wall, yeah. yeah it, like, it just, it just, common People is a, is, a, is a masterclass in uh, establishing a working class background, but are actually saying you're middle class and I love you and I have no money. Yeah. He does it by saying stuff like Rails and Diet of Broken Biscuits, wood chip on the wall, if you call your daddy, stop it all. Uh, an amazing mental life. The whole album, different class. Oh. oh. There you go. Oh, that's what they call it, different class, yes. Yeah. Um, but again, the whole album is, is just a meditation on the class structure and I feel like Rails and Diet of Broken Biscuits just does that really, really well. And uh, it, you can almost get a direct line between that sort of like lyric writing with Squeeze and, mm. and the Kinks and all that sort of stuff. Again, there's a direct lineage there. Very, very good. I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, one of the rare Sheffield lyricists that I like. Yeah. <laughs> Notably, the other two being... Like, well, with the other one, Cocker, Joe Cocker, not being really a writer, and the less said about... The better, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> can't even say his name. Can't even say his name. His name shan't be uttered in the annals of this podcast. Uh, so that's me. Yeah, so second best. My second best line this week is Raise on a Diet of Broken Biscuits from the Pulp song Miss Shapes. Great. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, fo- I'll follow you up there. Uh, so I decided I might as well go in at the top of my own musical tree of appreciation. I went with uh, Townsend, 1971. I wouldn't uh, have guessed that. No. I've known you for 15 years <laughs> and I wouldn't have guessed you'd thought? pick a Townsend lyric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it took me, uh, yeah, it, 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 this was after much, uh, much deliberation of what lines to include. I landed on um, and the morals that they worship will be gone. Uh, from I don't know that. <laughs> what song is that? So uh, that's from a little little known ditty buried buried at the bottom of the Who's Most Famous album that most people generally uh, know, uh, called "Won't Get Fooled Again." Uh, line two. I'm fairly certain that's line two. It's basically it's it's sung like it could be. There, a there, there's a degree of discrepancy it could, what is actually a line two, whether a full yeah, stop yeah, denotes yeah. a line two or yeah. this actual second if, line. In the if you were going by breaths drawn, it sounds like the third line, but I'm going to say this is the second line because it's the second phrase. It's your life. Yeah, yeah. And I'll do what I want. <laughs> um, yeah, and the morals of the worship uh, will be gone. 
uh, one control again obviously the, what can you say about a song like that that hasn't been said a thousand times in different articles and stuff down the years in this podcast but uh, yeah we're, well, to, we're to assume that everyone listening to this has never been exposed to any of these songs and that we're unleashing them on okay well everyone then, listening to this is an a gombing idiot <laughs> <laughs> and they don't know they, they haven't read the, extensively anything well, well we they are it, a well, trio of gods that's true yeah. so well then we will we'll, I'll just start in the most simplest terms this song rocks 63 high numbers <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. go yes exactly yeah 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 we've got uh, we've got the Who at a kind of an interesting period in their in their career where we've had the kind of whole 60s period of you know we've had the mod into pop art kind of like we've got we've had all the kind of Maximum R&B, proto-punk, mm. kind of carry on. It's all been really kind of focused on uh, that whole, the, the visual, the, 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 the image married with the sort of pop art, even musical aesthetic of, you know, the feedback and the noise and the songs have always been of a more kind of, what you would now call power pop and even Pete Townsend coined the phrase power pop in 67 to describe uh, Pictures of Lily. Uh, you kind of have that whole period of the who's like that could that could be a complete band almost on it by itself if that band broke up in 1968 or 69 that would be as full and as rounded a career as you could as ever you possibly as you have you've already had lots of albums that have really kind of what three yeah <laughs> but uh you've had each album released as kind of like i you know broken some sort of ground or you know challenged how certain aspects of either is it if it could be songwriting it could be production presentation it's all been all, all the rules have been either bent or t- torn up in one way or another on yeah. different albums up until then he turned to page three and he, he, tore, it he out. tore it out you know if they had have ended after that period uh you know as i said that did still be remembered as this band that made a huge difference but then you have the tommy era comes really after that so now you, then you've moved into a whole other kind of it's kind of a funny mid crossover because musically it bears similarities to what's gone before mm. But it introduces this kind of new, ultimately probably what kind of puts the Who in that in the hard rock kind of bracket that they're often classified in, or, or you know arena rock, or whatever. It, it was the, the the album that catapulted them to that kind of era, and um, whilst whilst the album still kind of it's still wedded to the early part, there's a lot of kind of melodic kind of you know. Uh, sections of parts of songs and harmonies and stuff like that very much kind of call back to previous albums, but it kind of marks the turning point where they then move into the kind of rock kind of more spectacle kind of yeah. part of their career and so who's next where we have no won't fool again finds them fully fledged arrived they have officially landed in the who are now a rock band you know from yeah. from the way they're presented to the album the amount of tracks on the album to the amount of tracks on the album to the length of the song so we have won't fool again is you know a kind of an eight minute Townsend sort of opus yeah. um, 7.45 is when Daltry does the scream I often yeah, exactly. skip <laughs> and so uh, yeah so it's there it's a kind of you know fully fledged kind of um, you know early 70s kind of protest song but it's a kind of a lyric that <clears throat> has a sort of an immortality really because um, it's uh, it's just a, it's just a fantastic it's you know, just a sort of a meditation on you know uh, revolution how you know people are constantly wanting change and the upheaval that society goes through over the years obviously it was about whatever whatever current upheaval was going on at the time it's related to that but you could have the exact same lyric written about now it would you still, know, apply, yeah. still apply it also that line also uh, the, the famous line meet the old boss same as the new boss would predict Bruce Springsteen's career for the next 45 yeah, years exactly. every new album is the exact same as the can before <laughs> exactly uh, there so, is no new boss Bruce is just old yeah so I mean once we get to that we get to that line as I say we, we, we hit the coming up to the 8 minute mark you hear, you hear that line I mean, if, we were, if we were doing last best if we were doing the best last lines that would, that would be my nomination for we've it we've already done the jingle yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah no it's very rare that I could listen to this song or hear that line in particular 
Um, and punch a hole in some drywall. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's some. There something. Something's gonna get hit <laughs> every time I hear. If you're that. in my way, that's yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it just kind of send. It ne- it, I never. It never fails to get get the goosebumps kind of moment up in me. Yeah, they were great and books. They were fantastic books. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it has that has that feeling all the time. It just kind of. I'm an hard to hard to articulate whatever the feeling that great music has. Great. Uh, so yeah, so Mars at the worship. Do you like the Who? So I, I've, <laughs> I, I'm, I've been known to enjoy the who's. The contrast between yours and mine now. Great, but, but, but like, like, but like you're, you are incredibly good at going, this is the thing and here why. And yes, great. well this is the thing and here why. The thing is, this is the thing. Yeah. My second best line is, I don't care if your past is al dente. Oh, brilliant. From, I know we're not allowed to say the F word, but only once maybe. I don't give a fuck what you reckon by man in the echo. You broke my one rule, yeah. and I'm gonna break you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just love it. I think what is that line doing in a song in the first place? But yeah, I love Absolutely. how the song is just saying "fuck off." Sorry, I can't, I said it again. Uh, yeah, no, fantastic. Song. Man in the Echo are a brilliant band yes, as well. If you haven't yeah. listened, their, their new album actually will be come. Will have, will have come out a few weeks before this actually goes up. So yeah, please go listen to Men in the Moment again. Some fantastic lyrics. Mm. Uh, again, their, their first album was something me and Ross listened to extensively oh, yeah. while we were touring with them, which was a bit embarrassing for them, I think. Yeah, I think a bit embarrassing for us more, I'd say. Uh, no, no, we always came out with <laughs> Okay, brilliant. They're second best. That's the first segment done as well. Congratulations. There we fucking go. Fantastic. That didn't go too bad. We're going to move on now to... Who wants to, who wants to introduce the next one? This is... Guilty hatreds. They're the bands that everyone thinks are great, but I can't help but be filled with hate. It might be a member, it might be a hit. I feel bad when I tell someone I think they're only alright. I just realised we don't actually mention Guilty Hatreds, the title of the song, the title of the section in the jingle. Yeah, that's a mistake, that's an oversight. Uh, first of many uh, Guilty Hatred is a section where we talk about of course everyone always brings up what's your guilty pleasures uh, mm-hmm. a band you feel bad about liking uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that the band that I love is Huey Lewis in the news uh, and I feel incredibly <laughs> guilty about that all the time as as someone who has uh, you know, made a living of being a musician and all that coming around saying yes I think Huey Lewis in the news are brilliant is uh, well I'm glad you o- admit it is only a slight against me uh, but I just think they're fantastic again it's because Huey Lewis sang the opening song in the Oliver and Company the ill-fated Oliver Twist anthropomorphic Retailing, retelling, retailing because there's cats. Oh. Uh, of the film in the nineties was ter- he opened again the, the the timbre of his voice doesn't matter. Go watch the film. <laughs> Guilty Hatreds then is the section we talk about bands you feel bad about hating. It's bands when someone says, "Do you like them?" and you say, "No, I don't," and the look on their face makes you feel bad. Yesterday I was preparing my body and mind for the ire <laughs> that, that, that people are going to have for me for having said, "Yeah, that I actually that I'm going to come. I'm going to come in for an absolute coating from everyone who's listening to this podcast for saying what I'm about to say." I feel bad about not liking Led Zeppelin and I want to clarify a few things first I don't think I, I don't think I'm not when I say I don't like them I don't I, I'm not saying that they don't deserve their place in music history mm-hmm. they don't deserve the albums they sold they don't yeah. deserve any of the plaudits they get for musicianship or any of that mm. they they totally deserve everything they have their success the way they're held the regard they're held in the, the, the plaudits the awards everything is totally fair I just when I listen to them I, I don't I don't feel anything for them. It doesn't uh, I, with I, you for like like reason. everyone, I had that mothership black and red best of that everyone had in <laughs> two thousand eight, uh, and yeah, I thought it was grand. But it's just uh, I, I never I never felt drawn to them to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you can't you can't judge a band on what comes after them. But I feel like the the hallmarks of what they did did inspire to an extent 
the high-pitched rock singing yeah. of the 80s and the hair metalness. Now, again, hair metal mm. is a bit of a stretch, but there is only, like, one jump in between Zeppelin and your Def Leppards and Motley Crue's. And oh, yes. Sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 and again, yeah. and if it, even if those bands picked up Led Zeppelin wrong, which I think they did, you still can't deny that that had an impact on that. And it's, it's, it's what people love about Led Zeppelin is what I... Uh, pull back against it's the high soaring vocals the screechy vocals the the uh, prolonged guitar solos the extended musical sections the the instrumental aspect the obsession with the occult is something that I don't like as well the fact that they all just had like logos and that again and, and I know that's all stuff that like people would think is cool but just the, the Led Zeppelin are a perfect storm of everything that I wouldn't like in a band mm-hmm. put together in one band so it didn't really stand a chance uh, again like it's blo- it just feels like bloated turgid mm. 70s rock which mm. like that's sort of like the heavy rock and not heavy in terms of Oh, it's busting your balls. It's heavy in terms of like it feels like slow moving and sluggish. Yeah. And that that, that sort of like puts me off them. Mm. Uh, but no, communication breakdown's a brilliant song. Rock and roll is fantastic. Cashmere uh, sounds amazing. If it wasn't for Jimmy Page, Dan Electra still wouldn't be making guitars. <laughs> They're like, you know, these songs are great. But just as a whole, I've never been drawn to an album. And all these things I'm saying about Led Zeppelin totally fall apart when my lifelong obsession with the Who is brought up. Yeah. Because they are very <laughs> much the counterparts of yeah. Led Zeppelin at the time. It was 70s, it was Who or Zeppelin. But I just feel like, okay, there's the Bonham Moon debate for the Who's the better power hit or whatever. I, I don't know. Uh, I think production benefited Bonham more than the Who's production benefited Keith Moon. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Daltrey, Entwistle and Townsend are the powerhouse versions of... John, John Paul Jones, Robert Plant, and Jimmy Page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John John Entwistle a far better bass player f- to me than John mm. Paul Jones. I prefer much for Ro- Daltrey singing than they, Robert Plant might technically be better, but I prefer Daltrey's delivery and his embodiment of songs. Yeah. Pete Townsend is a far inferior guitar player to Jimmy Page. Yeah. But to me, for the right reasons, he's a chordy yeah. player that does parts. Uh, and, and I suppose I just, it's like we were saying about the, like I said when we were talking about Movie Fool again that, that the Who's kind of sixties uh, sort of songwriting period how it kind of it went from the sort of pop art and the proto punk R and B stuff into seventies rock. This is what it, I'm going for. It, it yeah it didn't it never lost. No, he times it's kind of like lyrical eye and his lyrical gaze never shifted. Much. Exactly, and that's the thing. So like again, the Who had their period of that mm-hmm. agit like oh yeah it's it's proto punk it's whatever it's really energetic and there's great lyrics and it's it's all it's music experimental yeah. and then they moved into the sort of arena rockness which I again which I love of the Who. Who's next is brilliant and all that mm. Zeppelin started out straight away with the oh yeah we do 12 minute versions of songs at our live gigs and we do two songs a show and that which I, which I don't care for everything that Zeppelin have to offer musically I get from other bands I get the bluesiness from the Yardbirds obviously, obviously we know the lineage of the Yardbirds to the, to the Led Zeppelin and all that and I get the, the bluesiness from the Yardbirds and Animals I get the sort of arena rockness from The Who obviously and I get the pastoral acoustic end from later XTC and mid-period kinks yeah. so uh, before I even get to Zeppelin I'm already fulfilled with what they can probably give me yeah. uh, from those bands mm. and so that's why that's why Zeppelin are a band that I feel bad about not liking I feel mm. like I should there's no reason why I shouldn't we've met Jimmy Page and he's really nice and he likes our band yeah, yeah, we have yeah, one yeah. up on Jimmy Page he, like, he thought we were great <laughs> and, uh, he spent he sat in the wings and was just nodding away and I was going yeah I don't have yeah. cashmere's only a right page you know <laughs> Listen yeah, to your we, book. Tell me what to make of that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's. But we me. love we love Jimmy's Yardbird stuff. So okay, no, okay, and again, no disrespect to any of them. They all yeah. deserve the place they're in. John Bonham's a great drummer. John Paul Jones, it plays everything. Exactly. He play yeah, me yeah. like a fiddle. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just I feel bad about not liking him. So that's that's my guilty hatred for this week. Um. Yeah. No. I this one took a lot a bit of thinking because, um, I had thought of Zeppelin and I had thought of Fleetwood Mac, and then I was thinking. Ross I, I don't here managed to squeeze in two extra guilty hairs. No, the, <laughs> the thing is, is I didn't feel guilty about not liking them. I felt your confidence. I was, I was fine. And your arrogance shines through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then I thought of Velvet Underground, and I do feel bad about not liking them mm-hmm. because I know that you know they are undoubtedly brilliant, but I can't do it. Really? I can't listen to. I cannot listen to songs that don't seem to have a structure. 
Okay. Where I and I like mine tight and uh-huh. you know to the point. Where and it's very it seems to be very loose. The singing doesn't seem to follow any mm-hmm. thing. And and if I don't mind that on a song or two, but a whole album, I just no. Okay. I I was afraid that we were going to spend this podcast agreeing. Yeah. All the time. Thankfully, that isn't going to be the case. Oh. Really? <laughs> uh, I yeah. I don't totally understand. I think the the Nico album. I haven't really listened to that. That seems yeah. a bit of a mess. Uh, the second one, White Light, White Heat, is a great opening track, as mentioned in the novel High Fidelity. Totally. Um, I think the third album is a really nice acoustic well, and they do do like it's got like Candy Says and like Pale Blue Eyes, mm-hmm. which is a great song. Yeah. Uh, that has some brilliant stuff on it. That that to me is a very good album, but it's slow and acoustic and sort of like there's minimal drums. There's no, there's barely any electric guitars on it. Mm-hmm. It's but you can definitely see the Bell and Sebastian link to that. Oh yes. It's like sort of like uh, quaint art rock, which I think is very good. And I think you would enjoy that. And the fourth album, Loaded. Is brilliant. It mm. it has uh, uh, like rock and roll on it. It has mm. um, sweet Jane. It has oh sweet nothing, which yes, we played yeah. with Steph recently. Up on yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh sweet nothing, which I think is like the little brother to I Shall Be Released. Mm. It's like the, the the sequel to that. It's a brilliant song. Mm. But I can totally get why. Again, I, I, oh, yeah. I think they're brilliant. But I can totally see why you you know. You well, the thing is, that I see it. I see the I see the actual um, you know the quality, and it mm. is like you know it's caviar or whatever. But I I can't eat caviar. <laughs> it's minging. <laughs> uh, yeah, no fair. I totally understand that. That's good. You take all the all this on board. This is all okay. Go on, hit us. Uh, so yeah, so going in at the top, and I'm gonna say that I have never warmed to you two in the pantheon of Irish rock. Obviously, there's kind of in the world's eyes, there's you two and the rest, and most people don't even really know the rest that well. So I mean, so it's kind of <laughs> like you know, uh, there's a funny kind of I have a funny thing again. I've absolutely nothing against you two for what they what they've done, what they stand for. They're just a bunch of guys out there doing it, doing it the best they can. You know, they're living they're living their lives, and I'm gonna let them do that. But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, they've always uh, left me cold. And whether I mean, just in a general taste sense, he, he forgot to pick you up once and left you out in the cold. <laughs> that is it. You have to get over that. He didn't mean to. Yeah, it was a rough week. And uh, whether in the pantheon of Irish rock bands, whether I'm talk, whether it's whether we're having a an, an Irish rock theme discussion or whether we're just talking about bands in general or you know bands of that era, whatever it is, it, they just never never rank high for me for whatever reason. Um, and I think I I don't I, it's, it's kind of it's hard to articulate, but I suppose they they probably arrive at a period they have. Maybe their kind of post-punk influence maybe doesn't say that right with me. Maybe it's that I'm not, I, I'm not that gone on maybe their kind of direction with it, what the way the edge, the kind of early edge guitar sounds and all that stuff. The things that other people class as like revolutionaries or the game changers, I kind of just class as kind of... Same with me and The things people mm. love about them are the bits that... Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, but, yeah I, but you can concede that like Stories for Boys is a great song. I, oh, I can totally uh, concede that. You know, Sunday Brother Sunday is a great riff. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, I think, I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that they were the biggest band in the world for a long, long, mm, long time. But then, still... same as Zeppelin, you know, because they were so huge and, and everything that they created a lot of, you know, bad interpretations of them. Again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ireland was full of just... Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You two single-handedly created, I think, the indie hi-hat drumming. Oh, yeah, so I'm not on board with that. Yeah, so yeah. I suppose, yeah. So it's yeah, maybe it's the it's the product of the U two influence on subsequent stuff probably has uh, has hasn't made a good impression on me or whatever. And again, people would argue that you can't judge a band on what comes after. Yeah, it's or very hard. Their fans or anything. It's like fair, but it's very hard to pull that away from when you're praising a band. Like I, I did the same with Zeppelin. It's very hard to sort of say. Yeah. Knowing what they would, what what their influence would go on to do, I can't mm. pull that away from my praise. Totally, yeah, totally. For for whatever for whatever the reason, I've just never Sweden. <laughs> tax yeah. there's another reason <laughs> offshore uh, banking business yeah. um, 
Yeah, so for whatever the multitude of reasons, and as I said before, you, you can talk about other Irish bands, you can talk about your, your Boomtown Rats, your undertones. I wonder your, how long it was going to be before the Boomtown Rats were brought up. I know, I was, it, was, it was the countdown was on <laughs> until that came up. Um, you know, you can talk about, you know, you can talk about your, your blades, your sifflet fingers, we can, we can keep going. Uh, all those bands have made some sort of an impression on me musically, you know, at various times in my life. Uh, some of them, I think, have... Some of them are severely underrated and should be ranked the best. Some of the best bands. Of the I year. think we can nearly do an Irish only episode of all these sections. We definitely, we definitely, we definitely could. could and could uh, nation themed episodes. There we go. We send it off to uh, next year. So much this. I love. It. I love. I love Irish bands. Okay. Well, so there we go. Uh, we have gone for some of the most critically acclaimed and lauded bands of the sixties, seventies, and eighties. <laughs> where we've now either lost a lot of friends or gained a lot of new ones whose opinions don't really matter. That's what we've just said. It wasn't worth saying a lot of that. No. Probably uh, not. Again. This podcast isn't designed to spread negativity, but we was just the second section was all about this is why I don't like this. Ross, whisk us away to the, the next, next section is Sonic Seconds. Really, I remember we were trying to figure out what song this jingle reminds us of. Yeah. Uh, it's Do You Want to Dance by the Ramones. It's the exact same intro. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also the waffle song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's always bits and songs that when you, when you think of a song, there's always like one little two second section, whether it's uh, a, a, a riff that's played or like a fill in the background or like someone shouting off mic or something like that. Just some uh, incongruous occurrence within the song that just makes you love it and, and makes the song for you. And who hasn't gone first yet? I haven't gone first, but yeah, this was, there was a toss-up for me, you see, between two things, but I'm going to keep my, my other one for the next episode. I'm bold of you to assume this is going to continue. <laughs> uh, I'm bold of you to assume I care. This is Bell and Sebastian, White Collar Boy, and just the, in the, literally the first few seconds of just... Gnarly bass. Tight. Yeah, and just <laughs> tight. You wait, it makes you, I had that as my, uh, my alarm for a few weeks and I... Then you realise you're going to hate the song if you do yeah, that. Well, I, I can't <laughs> listen to Shadow Rhythm and Blues by Dave Evans because that was my alarm for two years. Yeah. But I just loved the intro of it. I woke up thinking a bulldozer was going to um, just take my house down. Yeah, brilliant. Morning. Fantastic section. Yeah, I, I agree. Bell and Sebastian are a fantastic underrated band. Uh, I love them. They're actually doing a cruise at the moment. The Bell and Sebastian cruise for a lot of bands playing a boat with them and you go away for like three weeks across the Mediterranean with them. Is, is that real? Yeah, no, it's actually, no, you can't, no, it's not, how is that a joke? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't even funny. <laughs> what about that? Why didn't you tell me about this before it happened? Okay, so, uh, yeah, my section is, I, I had a few, I, I had a good few, but I decided to go with this, again, it's an intro. Uh, it's You're My Favourite Waste of Time by Marshall Crenshaw. Oh, I should also add that uh, this section totally comes under fair use and is uh, totally free from any copyright infringement laws. So hands off on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is Crenshaw. So there you go. This song to me uh, is the 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 main example I think of composition over production. Mm -hmm. uh, I have this theory that production is a myth. We'll do a whole episode about that at some point. I'm sure <laughs> uh, that's going to be interesting. But yes, it's just it's the real it's the pa it's the the fact you can hear like like amp squall in the mm -hmm. background, the really paddy drums that sound like it's just like someone hitting like a paper bag. 
Everton like is sliding down the neck. Even the drums are sliding down the neck <laughs> on that bit. And it's in the first two seconds. As soon as he does the your man, as soon as I heard that, the first time I heard it, uh, I, I, in my head I was going like, I don't care what the verses are, like, I don't care what what the structure of the song is. I already know this is just skyrocketed into my favorite songs of all time, uh, purely just for that. That it's incredibly badly mixed, produced, recorded. There's no real parts. It's in the certain. You don't know if it's pianos or guitars that are playing chords or notes or whatever. It's very hard to tell. But and I think this the sentiment of your my favorite waste of time is like a perfect thing that like you're talking to someone you really like. But you just managed to give them a really horrible back backhanded compliment or a backhanded insult by saying, "I think you're great. You're my favorite waste of time. You're a waste of time, but you're my favorite one." It's <laughs> like an awkward lad would say accidentally and then get yeah. really upset the person you were speaking to. Uh, but yeah, again, so that's one of my sonic seconds. Again, just the intro of that just to me is is, is sonically perfect because it's so sonically imperfect. Mm-hmm. And so I've uh, I'm, I'm taking you all back to 1973 on this one. So mine is a uh, wizard. See my baby jive. Um, it's no secret that I want to have Roy Wood's children or maybe <laughs> or give, maybe, maybe give Roy children <laughs> and name them all after members of the move the, the Roy Wood all little, all little Carl Wayne yeah, 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 yeah little Carls and Trevors and Bevs my endless Bev, uh, so one second, Bev Bevan should release like a, 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 an IPA or a house lager called Bev Bevan's Bevies he really should yeah, BBB uh, that would be excellent that would start me drinking but uh, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, again yeah, 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 yeah. Um, his work with Jeff Lynne is excellent his work with him himself is incredible he's just a titanic genius of proportions that I uh, struggle to comprehend most days but I can but want to <laughs> uh, but I want to wallow in his genius this intro to Seeing Baby Jive which was a uh, Number one for four weeks in 1973 and then remained in the chart for another 17 weeks, I believe. Uh, what a run. So what a, what a run this single had. Um, and so this is this is him now. He's already done the move. He's already done ELO. And so he enters his, his wizard phase with uh, this track kicking off. <laughs> I'm I'm completely sold. Yeah, um, I think that I'll have four, please. Yeah, <laughs> is it a Roy Wood song if it doesn't go ba bum ba bum ba bum before the singing starts? If it doesn't go ba bum ba bum ba bum, it has to I'm have a, it. No, no, it has to have an eleven minutes guitar solo, <laughs> and so those are the There's two. No so, one's or an orchestra. It's one, it's, it's one or the other. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's um, that's pretty much how I think a genius begins uh, a hit single. Like you know, you've got I don't know I don't know what uh, headspace. <laughs> he was in that led to that idea but it's a fantastically left a field way to start a song you're thinking I'm doing this kind of brill building Phil Spector meets you know glam rock kind of 50s throwback mashup I'm going to start with some World War 2 uh, Gatling gun effects that turn into snares that's that's pretty yeah. cool <laughs> yeah no, it's great executed very well as well okay and that was uh, Sonic Seconds Sonic Seconds this next segment is called Nevermind the Fuzzbox Nevermind the Fuzzbox, uh, a, a very uh, loose and limp uh, remaking of the section in Nevermind the Buzzcocks where the, the intro's round basically is what we're taking the piss mm-hmm. out of. But with a slight twist, 
we are going to, uh, two people are going to put headphones on and the person singing the riff is going to sing it into a mic which we have wired up into a fuzz box to, to make it as muddled and, and unclear as possible. And it is the job of the two with headphones on to then guess the riff. I'm going to head over to the uh, fuzz box section. Uh, excuse the shuffling. Okay, and away we go. I still don't know what it is. It's Wow Wow by George Harrison. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bit of, bit of solo, George, there for, for everybody. Right. One next? point. I'll go next. Ready? Yeah. Oh, oh uh, um, yeah, it's the, it's the Pirates. Yes, it's the Pirates. Uh, oh, excellent. How did you not get that? Mr. Pirate. I, I know, I know, yeah, but I was just too distracted by the dub 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 dub. Uh, yeah, it's Pirates um, shaking all over. Yes. Covered very well by The Who. The Who have managed to come up in every section so far. Nice. Round three commencing. I know that. Oh, now I know how... Bloody Ulrika feels when she was on. <laughs> oh, you know I can't. Oh, I can't it's think. a bit. Of, I want to tell yeah, you. Yes, of course, of course. Oh, I'm a fool. George, over, forgive me. Over. Did we do two George songs? We yes. did two George songs. Uh, how did that take us so long? I was thinking, I was going sweet. Yeah, I, it has that kind of a thing to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. could kind of stompiness. Just as easy been a glam. Okay, that was never mind the fuzzbox. What a what a show. <laughs> We're going to move on now to Convivial Pursuit. Music is full of death and despair, so we think it's time for a breath of fresh air. Convivial Pursuit. Convivial Pursuit. Music history is fair to say is dominated by fatalities. Friendships being destroyed, people being ripped off, plague, loss of <laughs> limbs, <laughs> famine, uh, widespread disease uh, and mistreatment of, of loved ones. And we just thought it'd be nice to um, nice to talk about the nice things that probably happened in music. Uh, this section is called Convivial Pursuit. Uh, I just realised we probably should have put a, like a, a home fire crackling in the background of the jingle. Yes. <laughs> uh, just feel, just, just let, let the warm tone in which we're speaking fill your cockles with muscles alive alive-o <laughs> um, so my convivial pursuit of today yeah. is the fact that Dave Knight original bass player in Procol Harum once mm. loaned Pete Townsend a pair of socks for a taping of Ready Steady Go after he found out that the original colour of the socks Townsend was wearing didn't match his shoes <laughs> that's nice yeah. Uh, what a lovely thing to do. Dave Knight then tragically left Procol Harum at 69 and did nothing with the rest of his life. Ah. Love you, Dave. Uh, <laughs> this comes from the annals of history of a band that we've been talking about quite a lot in the last week. Uh, I'm, I'm talking Hollies. Oh, brilliant. I'm, talk, I'm talking Hollies, I'm talking Elliot, I'm talking Hicks, I'm talking brothers-in-law. <laughs> Uh, I forgot about this. Yeah, this is just a lovely uh, kind of, I think, turn of events. So the Hollies 
uh, we've, we've discussed them a lot lately. We have a segment in this podcast that references them. You know, we, we like the Hollies. Really, it, it took me years to realise uh, what a bunch of just... Sterling men. What cosy little lovely cuddly gentlemen the Hollies yeah. are. I think if we were going to if we were to define the term chaps, it'd be a photo of the Hollies. Yeah, I think so. In the dictionary under chaps, um, dictionary doesn't have pictures. Yeah, so the 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 Hollies drummer uh, Bobby Elliott, absolute unstoppable force of nature, a behemoth, a behemoth of a man, um, who I hope to embody a twentieth of the caliber of drumming that he uh, has put across for the guts of fifth. 55 years? Nearly 60 years. I mean, the Hollies of 50 came out in 2014. I so mean, so like, that was... What? 55 years ago. That's five years ago. <laughs> yeah. On top of the 50. Yeah, there you go. So 55. 35 years in the public eye and more uh, privately. Yeah. Uh, this man has been... Uh, just been an, an, an awesome an, an awesome character behind the case. You're going to get to why what's convivial. I know we you know he's sound. Yeah. Well, the same can be said about Tony Hicks, who... His hotness, Tony his, Hicks. His hotness, Tony Hicks. Uh, the I'm wearing his top today from the Long Woman in Black Dress video. Exactly. The affable and incredibly equally talented, incorrigible, uh, incorrigible guitarist uh, in the, with the Hollies. He, you know, great player, all around nice chap. But what really warms the heartles of my about these men is uh, that they that they've came they, they came to be in a band together because uh, Bobby Elliott was going out with Tony Hicks' older sister. Uh, he t- found out that the, his little, bro- the little brother played guitar and that they needed a guitar player for his band. Tony joined the band. They were called the Dolphins. They gigged about for years. Uh, but then Tony got poached by the Hollies who were about to turn professional and got a record deal. They put out a couple of singles and Bobby was still, you know, still brother-in-law. All was cool. All was, all was groovy. But all then, was dandy. But then uh, six months later or so, uh, Bobby then gets poached by Tony to join the Hollies. So he gets his brother-in-law into the band and... Over the course of the Hollies' 50-year history, every other member in the band leaves except them. It's 2019. Bobby and Tony, they're still brothers-in-law. They're still in the same band together. They're still on tour. Christmas dinner is a big row over who's going to carve. Exactly. Because who's the bigger man there, I don't know. Exactly. I not tell you. <laughs> it's hard to decide. But I think that's really lovely. Two, two cosy men who have been in the same band together for 55 years... Fantastic, yeah. No, I'm I'm a vocal fan of uh, the Hollies in general, as I've already established, uh, mm. except for Graham Nash. Uh, he can uh, do spit in his own mouth. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Um. My uh, <laughs> pursuit. Um. Was uh. I was thinking about just winging it. But, uh, <laughs> but no. Yeah. No. I heard last month that Bono went into X Music on X Checker Street in Dubai, and he saw a little girl who was trying to buy a flute but didn't have enough money, and so he said that he would buy the flute for her. Brilliant. And that little girl turned out to be Lord. Dappy from End <laughs> uh, who who went on to write Sledgehammer, uh, Africa, all and you, all, all the tunes that we love. All you just love. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then ended up in uh, an equine tussle. Mm. So he got yeah. kicked in the face. By I thought that was a lovely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dappy. Um, That's lovely. Yeah. Now, so. see, Barnaby sound. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I. Would like to recant my <laughs> earlier. I'm gonna read that. I shan't now. recant my U two thoughts. Okay. So did you, did sorry, you that? Uh, Consider yeah. me convivial, Ross. That was very good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. That was pleasant. Brilliant. That was convivial pursuit. Okay. Uh, penultimate section of the show. This uh, is a segment that we I'm I'm quite looking forward to hearing because I get to hear someone who I think is a very good singer sing a song. Uh, this is Ross Farley's Acoustic Corner. With a voice so soft, it'll put you to sleep, and a face that 
Like a scan. So. Oh my god, Ross. And so, for Ross Farley, opportunity cocks. No bad words.
It's tight as shit, bro. Right, and we arrive at the last section of the show. Uh, this is something that we actually established in the stripes and in the in the during our death rattle, we uh, enjoyed <laughs> <Death> rose. <laughs> we we enjoyed some good ideas that weren't fully realised because uh, it was just ending. Uh, there's no point pulling out a microwave on a sinking ship, basically. Um, we but this, we did though. We tried. We tried. Uh, we did this thing called "Have I Got Tunes for You," where every week while we were on tour, we'd put up, we'd pick two songs each, put up an eight song playlist. And uh, we're going to continue that here. We're going to use the title of that section here called Have I Got Tunes For You. Yes, this is the section of the podcast where uh, we like to end the show by recommending uh, an album for you all to listen to should the fancy take you and if you respect uh, our opinions, which after what we've said earlier on, all the disputatious stuff that we've said <laughs> about very successful bands and all the glowing reviews we've given of bands who, to be fair, haven't had a massive impact on anybody other than <laughs> us. Uh, uh, you, you might still care what we think. So these are albums we're going to talk about now that we feel are, are worth listening to that we've, that we've recently been exposed to. The album I'm going to recommend is called Contiki by Cotton Mather. Uh, it was recommended to me by uh, Olivia, the girl we met uh, at the High Watt in Nashville, who gave us the drawings of the Kinks and Costello. And oh, yes. what, what was your one? Uh, I got a Who one, I believe. You got a Who one, I believe. Uh, we, we both believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, recently on Instagram she put up a song and I said, what's that? She said, it's Cotton Mather. And I said, brilliant, I'm going to listen to that. And it's a fabulous, fabulous album. It's sort of like uh, if Revolution was made in the 90s. Uh, not Revolution. Revolver. Revolver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, but no, if, 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 yeah, if Revolver was made in the 90s, it did sound like this album. Obviously, the songs totally. would be different. But it has a perfect mix of like really good, interesting sounds and like sort of crunchy riffs and sort of mm. power-pop sensibilities with some really, really good, well-written, slow, acoustic mm. songs that I think are very, very good. It's very well-balanced. Mm. Uh, dollop, dollop, dollop of Birds going on there as well. Dollop of Birds, uh, a splash of... Um, I can't even know the band from the 60s now. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, I don't know band. Yeah, it's sort of, again, in the last two years I discovered my insatiable appetite for power pop, uh, especially of the late 80s, early 90s, with uh, the likes of Fans Away and the Posies, Matthew Sweet, uh, Teenage Fan Club, all that sort of stuff, and Cotton Mather are just another off-maligned, never-spoken-about degree of that. They're a fantastic yeah. band, very good album, I'd very much recommend it. Mm. Uh, Top songs, probably Password, uh, Camp Hill Rail Operator, and two is enough for you. I can't think of a third one because I don't have the track list in front of me. Um, my one is Mass Romantic by the New Pornographers. Just deadly. Grand, uh, yeah. uh, you, know. you were the one who actually got me into the New Pornographers and they yeah. were my most listened to band of last year. The, yeah, it's just a, an album I actually haven't stopped listening to since I listened to it first and it's just been constantly on the playlist. Going round and round. Yeah. Like a record, baby. Yeah. Uh, I was going to quote around and around there, but you went for the... <laughs> I went for Pete the... Burns. Uh, so, uh, that's you, is it, Ross? That's me, yeah. Okay. Um, staying true to form for my first recommendation, I'm going to go for The Damned Machine Gun Etiquette. Uh, you said strawberries to me. 
Oh, and I know, yeah, but I, I was part of a huge, grand scheme. Charlatan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was a huge. For the last time, you just messed with the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was all a huge ploy to f- make a fool out of you, like in this exact moment. A cellar full of ploys. Yeah, but uh, that's a Rotten's reference. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now that I've accomplished my goal for this episode of the podcast, don't touch that with crackles. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm going. Yeah, so Machine Gun Etiquette. I am going for the damned. Uh, the damned's third album, and kind of the start of what you would really call a sort of a classic run of damned albums, where the damned really kind of found their collective voices and found out what kind of band they really were, and that was a kind of a kind of a weird melange of you know six. Don't say that word again, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it different every time. Melange. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, Melange. But uh, they they were sort of an amalgam of a uh, 60s. The amalgam in si- the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They, uh, uh, they took kind of. They took 60s garage and sort of proto punk stuff. They took a lot of psychedelia. Uh, leaving a bit of a hint of a glam influence. Um, and all really kind of crazy, disparate influences. And kind of melded them all together in this big kind of punky sort of goodness basically and uh, it would saw people like Captain Sensible and Dave Vanian kind of come into their own Rascal- Captain Sensible the guitarist at this point yeah Captain Sensible okay. he switched from bass to guitar Brian James had left after making two albums actually what had happened was they made their he was too cut up and having a leathery face to keep going to be exactly band. and <laughs> they did the first album which was you know the the classic that it is rightfully lauded as being and then they made a second album that is generally agreed by everybody including all the members of the band at the time that it was pretty awful and they then disbanded for all of about eight or nine months and then suddenly came back together minus Brian James, Captain Sensible now on guitar, they got a new bass player and they really kind of found, uh, they really found what kind of band they wanted to be and kind of kept, you know, kept developing and kept growing and changing from there in, a, in a, what I think is a really exciting way and I would, it, it, it's albums like this that would have me nominate The Damned as greatest punk band of them all because they took in the most kind of wide range and influences and very not true to type punk influences are very kind of going against the kind of received wisdom of what a punk band should be and sound like which in itself is very punk rock so like as in you know they're on their following albums they then do they do 18 minute prog punk tracks <laughs> because Captain Sense will lose prog and so that in itself is a very punk thing because just as you to think, reject the notion of punk to reject the notion of punk so, so, so just as just as everything gets set in stone it's like oh yeah we get it leather jackets spiky hair they go actually 18 minute prog punk yeah. and even actually that, that the, the Machine Gun Etiquette uh, is a great um, way to point if you're looking for the roots of hardcore as well like the title track and a few other tracks like Love Song and uh, tracks that are kind of knocking around in there very much kind of proto thrashy hardcore yep, so stuff again so there you go there's, there's three albums wildly disparate styles and, and, and time periods and all that we've got The Damned uh, we've got Cotton Mather and the new pornographer. The new pornographer. <laughs> I should have guessed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, actually, not very desperate styles at all. Both two albums from the early nineties. Yeah. Uh, but great bands nonetheless. Thus, thus concludes the section of I got tunes for you. And with that, that concludes our first ever episode of Higher Fidelity. And mm. uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to us. It, we, we uh, I, I hope you had a lot of fun. Let's do a peer review session right now. Did you enjoy this? Uh. Yes. Did you enjoy this? It's fine, yeah. Great. This is uh, Peter Everton Ross of Higher Fidelity uh, reminding you to be rooting. Be tooting. But most importantly... No, you fucked it up. Do it again. So this is Pete Everton Ross from Higher Fidelity reminding you to be rooting. Be tooting. Be shooting. Always be shooting. Let's go back. This has been Pete Everton Ross of Higher Fidelity uh, reminding you to be rooting.
Be tootin'. Always be shooting. But most importantly, be kind. I